KBLA Talk 1580. This is the moment. This is the day. This is the new year. Uh, to call me, express yourself. What is on your mind? What do you want to focus on? How was your 2023? <laughs> what were your highlights? What were your lowlights? Your would do agains, your would never do agains. And what are you looking forward to in this year? Um, it was, it was a, it was a, a year of extremes. I'll say some, some highlights and some real, real, real strong challenges. Um, you know, for me, the highlights included, um, being able to pay tribute to my mom, uh, the late Diane DePrima and all of the people, many of you in the KBLA delegation who stepped up and helped, helped us do that. We did it at the historic Castro theater in San Francisco, and we had some amazing poets, performers, uh, activists, and loved ones who showed up. So that was definitely a highlight. Uh, it was a labor of love. And, you know, some tough times. Um, obviously, you know, what's going on in Ukraine, what's going on in Gaza, um, what's going on in Congo, in, 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 in the Sudan, all are things that I find, you know, to be super challenging, challenging uh, to not just me personally or intellectually, but to our global community, to our humanity. Um, I think, you know, there were lots of um, moments of marching, of protest, of, of, of our struggle yielding results, right? And to me, that is, those are the things that encourage. And then when we get overwhelmed by hardship, it seems that we sometimes forget the progress that we make. We forget uh, the, th the things that, um, that are encouraging, that are wins. And so I think it's important to focus and struggle on them. That's why we launched in 2023, Friedman Friday, the reparation space is one where we have seen a number of victories and things that we never thought, at least I didn't think that would be accomplished within my lifetime. This becoming a, a mainstream conversation, uh, the, the formation of, of task forces in, in more cities and, and now the state of New York joining the state of California. Uh, those are, those are big steps. The California task force delivering their 1,200-page uh, report on reparations. All of these are big wins. Those are the kinds of things that um, it's easy to forget when we start saying 2023 was the worst year ever. Some major victories for labor, right? The United Auto Workers uh, with the contract that they were able to extract. The fact that uh, the um, UPS workers didn't even have to go on strike. The, the Teamsters there got the job done and settled that uh, labor dispute before it became a work stoppage. And although the sag after contract was not ratified at the, the high level that we would hope, and that there are some real serious concerns, uh, particularly around AI, we did win that contract. And it was hard fought. The writers won their contract, also hard fought. We spent a lot of time out on strike, on the picket lines. And these labor actions 
in many different industries saw victory across the country. A big, big year for labor, a resurgence in the um, organizing of new unions, i.e. the work that's being done at Starbucks, the work around uh, Amazon, fast food chains, and more. And many of these had impactful, positive outcomes, even though, as I said, I know the SAG contract is not perfect, but we set the tone in terms of at least addressing AI and having some restrictions around it. I'm glad to see that the legislature in California, and I believe we'll see this in other states, are now looking at taking this up. How do we regulate AI in a way that um, that can save jobs, that can protect human beings and their essence of who we are without stifling innovation? But, you know, this thing about stifling innovation is always used as an excuse for big corporations uh, to maximize their profit at, at the expense of human beings. So all of these things, you know, they represent wins. They represent progress. And, and they're, sure, there have been a lot of setbacks, hard times. I mean, somebody bought Twitter and <laughs> is trying to run it into the ground. I mean, you know. And, and, and I could go on and on, but I also think it's important to focus on what we want, not what we don't want, and, and to celebrate our victories so that we can replicate them. First caller of the year is Deb from Compton. You should get a prize. I feel like you should win a prize for being the first caller of the year. Let me think about that. Good morning, Deb. Good morning. Oh, my goodness. Really? Okay. <laughs> Um, how are you, Dominique? I'm blessed. I'm happy to be back on this microphone. Missed you guys. How are you? I'm, I'm doing very well. Uh, inspired, looking forward to what the year brings. And definitely happy to have you back on the radio. You were missed. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So have you done resolutions or... I said, I was uh, trying to tape record some stuff, and I said, I, this is not a resolution. It's a plan. <laughs> well, you know, I, I try. I try. I said that I'm going to work on my aggression when it comes to driving in, <laughs> in California. Ooh, that's a good one. We all need to make that resolution, Deb. Seriously, because people are getting plowed, mowed down on the side of the road and trying to cross the street because I was in a bad mood or you were, you know, in a hurry. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, absolutely. I struggle with that one. I really do. Yeah, I think, um, you know, yeah, I, I think we all do. And in, in the cussing that comes with it, you know, <laughs> right. I'm just saying. Right. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the things yeah. I want to do this year, I think I always want to do it, but just uh, constantly a reminder is, is, to, is to focus on what I want and not what I don't want and not get so bogged down in everything that's wrong and really, you know, be mindful of the progress and the, and the wins. Yes, that, that's true because we do have some wins. Um, I, I just have two things I wanted to present uh, because I'm becoming less and less uh, sympathetic, uh, a little more jaded, uh, downright irritated. Did you see the article about uh, Gavin Newsom is considering um, providing health care for all 
any undocumented um, people here in California. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Immigrants now um, in California can get um, health care. Yeah. Right. And I have a problem with that, Dominique, simply because I see so many people who look more and more like me on my drive in to work because I work in the downtown area. And I'm like, really? So we're going <sighs> to, I, I just have an issue, Dominique. I really do. I okay. Really so my do. sigh was because I, I can, I can empathize with what you're saying. Like intellectually, I know it's the right thing to do because we live okay. with folks and your kid goes to school with that immigrant. And do you want that? immigrant to be sick and sitting next to your kid and but at the same time California is 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 now it he's not thinking about it it's done they're offering health insurance for all undocumented immigrants but I'm just like do all people who aren't undocumented immigrants have health care and I'm I'm thinking we don't we do not exactly and and, and that's my point start start with your your citizens first you could you could you fix the homeless problem because a majority of those people are people who have been trying to live here for years and have fallen on hard times whatever the case may be and now they find themselves without shelter so you're and it's tax dollars it's not as if health care is going to be free for undocumented workers somebody's well, it's it's that. it's it's coming through Medi-Cal. So it means that if you're a, if you're low income enough to qualify for medically needy Medi-Cal starting yesterday, you can get that even if you're undocumented. And that is federally funded because it's Medicaid. We just give it a fancy name because we're California. So it's Medi-Cal. So those are federal tax dollars, which, yes, we me and you pay for. Um, mm -hmm. and so now if you're an undocumented, uh, person who's low income, you can get health benefits through Medi-Cal. Now, any Californian can get that. It's not something that we're offering to undocumented immigrants that we're not offering to any other Californian. The thing about it is you have to be low income enough to meet that threshold. And there are plenty of working class people, middle class people who make too much money to get Medi-Cal, but do not have insurance. Now it's true. You will be penalized, right? On your taxes. They, they, they penalize you. If you don't have mm -hmm. healthcare, you could go get Obamacare. And if you're in that window of n not making enough uh, to afford insurance, but making too much to qualify for Medi-Cal, you can get, uh, Obamacare, and and you have until January thirty mm -hmm. first to sign up uh, through, uh, you know, covered Cal California. But I understand what you're saying because it's correct me if I'm wrong. But what I'm hearing you say is that that's money that we're spending that could be spent to house homeless people who are citizens of this country, or um, or to provide medical care for those folks. Um, who who are struggling with mental health or whatever that might be. Exactly. I just feel like we are, as the citizens, the taxpayers, and I'm not saying that the undocumented don't come here and eventually 
you know, find jobs or, you know, begin to work whatever industry, food carts, whatever, that they don't pay any taxes. But what I'm saying is well, why aren't that, we but that's not quite true. They do they do pay taxes because they're going to pay sales tax, right? And also, if they work, if they get fake ID, which many do, and work regular jobs, they're that tax money is going to be taken out, and they won't get a refund because trust and believe they're not filing for it. So. Right. They are paying some taxes. And, and I've seen economic yeah. data that show that undocumented people and the fact that they pay taxes but don't get taxes back actually do um, add quite a bit to the California coffers. That said, I understand what you're talking about is more, it seems to me, more of a standing on a principle of a thing. Like, And I struggle with that because I do think I believe in Medicare for all. I think we should have universal health care for everybody in this country. And at the same time, I feel like we should be supporting Ukrainians and protecting their country. I've, I, I balk at sending billions to them when there are so many Americans living on the streets in squalor and poverty. Right. And, and I agree with you. I agree. I, I, 100% agree with you. I just feel like we don't take care of us first. And we, it seems like we're every year or every war or every conflict or every crisis somewhere else, we're doing less and less for our own people. Right. And, right. Suddenly we have billions. Suddenly we have billions to help, you know, <laughs> Israel bomb people. Suddenly we have billions, you know, to invest in, in Ukraine, um, protecting their sovereignty as they should. But I I just, to me, this is going to sound crazy, but we can't afford it. We can't afford all this war. If you got people lying in your streets in abject poverty, students who are homeless because they cannot afford housing while they are going to the university, then, exactly. I, and, and I'm not, you know, I'm not America first in the, in the, in the Nazi, uh, Trumpy way, but. I do feel like you have to have, just like if you, you have your household budget, you have to have priorities. You're not loaning money or giving money away to your loved ones and relatives when you haven't paid your rent. That's not what people do. Exactly. And, and the last point quickly, uh, there was a story out of Chicago that uh, there were a number of immigrants that were displeased with the housing that they were being um, provided as they were coming, but they were being bussed in from Texas, Florida, wherever. And they were talking about suing the state of Illinois. Mm, I haven't seen that story. That's interesting. But you wonder, I mean, were they, were they in cages? (laughs) Were they in tents? No, they they... just didn't appreciate, they Mm. did not appreciate the long term being, I think they had them like in a school gymnasium. Mm -hmm. Uh, They had them at, you know, different hotels. And, and they said that they were, I guess. Well, I have, I have to look into that because I find out, I find a lot of these stories turn out to be not quite true. Uh, around immigrants and housing. Remember they were saying they were displacing disabled veterans and that turned out to be not, that turned out to be an untrue story. So I will look into that, Deb. I haven't heard that one uh, and I don't have any information on it. If that's true, it's pretty ridiculous. Um, 
And, and, you know, I don't, I think the pitting of black folks against immigrants is problematic. I don't think it serves us. Why are we, we're holding them accountable, but not holding the corporations accountable that are employing them, for example, right? Um, But I do understand this. And I, and you know what, you know what surprises me? We'll talk about this on the other side. I don't know if you want to stay with me or not, but Governor Newsom, the fact that he would um, sign off on this when clearly he is angling to become president at some point, 2024, 28, 32, um, which, which caused him, I believe, to not sign universal pre-K, right? So no preschool, free preschool for all Californians because it's too expensive, but yet healthcare for undocumented immigrants is not too expensive. Uh, I'm, to me, you can afford both or you can afford neither of those. Um, I don't know. I just wonder what his calculus is in, in choosing uh, health care for undocumented folks over universal pre-K for, you know, which is something that disproportionately impacts Latino and black people who are already here enrolled in school because their children now are on a more level playing field academically. Just wondering what that thought process is. It's KBLA Talk 1580. She's reclaiming her time on KBLA Talk 1580. More First Things First with Dominic DePrima when we come forward. The conversation continues right now, right now, right now with right now. Dominic DePrima on First Things First. first. So, um, yeah, just, you know, looking, reading this a little bit more since you brought it up. So it's uh, $835.6 million um, for this year for that program, um, expanding Medi-Cal eligibility to everyone here, including undocumented folks. Apparently undocumented children had become eligible under Jerry Brown and um, people without the paperwork were already eligible for emergency services like pregnancy help, but this will be um, two point six billion a year. It is. It's a lot of money. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I'm torn on this because I do think I believe in healthcare for all. I do think that it's a humanitarian thing to do, especially during the to- the COVID era, which we're still in, right? that you want people to have the ability to not die. At the same time, we're, we're complaining that too many people are coming here um, and that we have to do something about the borders. We'll stop, you know, creating more and more um, things that appear to be incentives. At the same time, this used to be Mexico, so don't be surprised if you find, you know, people who are Mexican in a place that used to be Mexico. At the same time, I can I can really relate to what you're saying, Deb, because one of the things I find myself less and less tolerant of is us investing money in things that do not benefit um American citizens. And I saw and heard, I read a really compelling argument for why funding Ukraine is helpful to American citizens, because it's, you know, not just from a humanitarian standpoint, but also um, from stopping Russian aggression and sort of a 
keep maintaining the U.S. reputation since Biden said he was going to be with Ukraine till the wheels fall off. Now he's changed it to as long as we can. And I think that's because I'm not alone. I think the American citizenry is at the point of why are we spending all this money? And I think this is one area where Republicans do have the pulse of the American people more than Democrats. Republicans are saying we don't want to spend all this money. Well, they have different reasons for saying it. They're just trying to get money spent on the border. But still, they're holding up the the payments for Ukraine and they're holding up payments for Israel, even though for the second time uh, in a month, the Biden administration has bypassed Congress and used their emergency powers to spend more money on weapons for Israel. Um, Deb, I, I wanted to let you land if you would like to do so, since you got us started on this whole conversation. <laughs> well, um, I will say that at this point, Mr. Newsom has lost my vote. And the main reason why, not only because of the PK, <laughs> that's an issue. Now, okay. I do believe in health care for all, absolutely. But fix your homeless crisis first, Mr. Newsom. The final thing, he has stepped away from reparations like it's a dirty word that he cannot mention. He mm. might as well just say blasphemy if you say, you know, reparations. And so I'm, I'm pretty much done with him. Interesting. That's interesting, interesting, interesting. Yeah, you know, I... I can understand why you would say that, Deb. I mean, I am watching. I'm watching. I feel like the governor has a strong enough track record for me to stick with him right now. But I have my eye on him because I agree with you about reparations. The first thing I heard was, well, reparations is about more than money, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, okay, you don't want this to be your ball and chain when you're running for president. Um. And, you know, I also was expecting him to appoint a black woman senator who could serve as as a senator. Um, And that, you know, he did appoint someone, but she she didn't really have time to ramp up. You know, he appointed uh, Senator LaFonza Butler, but she didn't have time to ramp up uh, a campaign. So Barbara Lee would have made more sense. I... I have my eye on it. Let me let me put it that way, Deb. But thank you for launching us down down this topic area because it's important. And I think I'm sure you're not the only one that thought those thoughts when they saw that that move, which uh, took effect on yesterday. Absolutely. Yeah. Appreciate you. You know, there's a lot of let's let's look at back to wins, good things that are going on every day. And uh, January 1st, no exception, 22 states raised the minimum wage yesterday. That's great news. Um, And a lot of them went to $15 an hour or more. That is something California started the fight for 15. At the time, it was seen as, as, you know, reaching. Now we know that that's not even enough to support yourself. Um, Some have gone as high as $17 an hour. Um, The uh, California minimum wage is now, I believe, $16. Yeah, it went from $15.50 to $16. So that's some good news for your new year, new wages. KBLA Talk 1580. 
A safe place to go loud, loud, loud. A great place for progressive politics. KBLA Talk 1580. This is KBLA Talk 1580, where everybody is somebody and nobody is a stranger. You belong here. You belong here, and um, <laughs> and here's some good news. Good news, you know, along with updates on everything else that's going on, focusing on what we want, not what we don't want, is always um, important. And I feel like California really has led the way with the increase in the minimum wage with our Fight for 15, which went national. Now um, you have many, many states changing their wage. I don't understand Michigan. Their their minimum wage went up yesterday from $10.10 an hour to $10.33 an hour. You gave people a 23 cents per hour raise. That's what you did. So if I worked an eight-hour shift, I get like two bucks more. Who, I mean, who thought that was a good idea? I, I don't, I don't get it. Um, it, but I think over time, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll see the change and hopefully it wouldn't be that much time. We'll see the change in the federal minimum wage. That's what needs to change so that it doesn't go state by state by state. And certainly we need to start uh, working on uh, California minimum wage for um, f- continuing to lead the way as far as uh, being able to upgrade um, what people are making. Because part of the reason we have the houselessness crisis that we do in the un not just unhoused persons, but the housing insecurity of folks that are in apartments right now is because the the wages are too low. We cannot pay what is considered standard in the places where we live. You can't find uh, housing that you can afford based on the minimum wage in most major cities in the United States. Let's go to Fred calling us from Los Angeles. Good morning, Fred. Dominique, yeah, I want to respond to your last caller, your first caller of the year. Uh, I sold my houses uh, to get away from the tenants and, and, and the government uh, because of the reasons that you discussed. And uh, anybody be crazy not to think that the illegal immigrants have forced the price of housing up and forced the American Negro people out over the years. Uh, then she talked about the, uh, the state of California is going to give the money to the illegal immigrants uh, for... Uh, They're not giving the money. They're giving them Medi-Cal. They give Medically them, they needy Medi-Cal, yeah. They started years ago with, with the young people. Then they, last year or two years, they moved it up to the seniors, over 50, over 55. Now it's for all the illegal immigrants. Isn't that where, isn't that, uh, not that I agree with you, but isn't that where your reparations money is or, or is going? And it, it, um, I mean, anything could be our reparations money. I mean, the reparations money is the money that built this country. But I got a couple questions for you, Fred. You say you okay. sold your houses to get away from your tenants, meaning that all you, tenants, yeah. Oh, just because you didn't want to deal with being a well, landlord yeah, anymore. Be, hold on, typical rent. Let's let's make a rent at seventeen hundred dollars a month, which is really low for a one bedroom. You yeah. got to make fit three times the rent, so you got to make fifty one hundred a month. My, my my houses were in the Crenshaw district in the West Adams district, so you got to make sixty seventy thousand dollars a year just to afford it. Everybody wants it. But nobody can pay it. So, so well, 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 slow down a little bit, Fred. I mean, I can tell this is something you've been thinking about and talking about a lot. So I just want to make sure those of us that aren't as well versed are following the bouncing ball here. So you say 
when you're saying ideally the formula is you should only be paying a third of your income for rent, but most people in LA pay more like 50%. Are you saying that's what you required to get people into the places you rented or what yeah, should be required? I require one third, which, okay. is really, uh, which is really low. I mean, some, or high, depending on how you look at it. Uh, the housing authorities, people say they only they want you to have four times. They want you your your rent not to be more than twenty twenty five. Right. But but if you look at growth. the but if you look at data right now, most people are more like around fifty percent. Even though that is considering considered housing burdened, uh, you just weren't comfortable with that as a landlord. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't rent to nobody with that kind of ratio because they have other bills to pay, and they're going to put me put me last. That's what I'm trying to explain to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the politicians uh, have, have priced really market rent right on off the chart, uh, and I find it interesting that the white Democrats can can find this money for the illegal immigrants, but they can't find it for the black people for rep- reparations. And and one more point. Well, okay, I won't leave you. No, one no point. No, just hold on, hold on a second, because I want to finish this before we move back. Because you brought up a whole, you came with a grocery cart full of items, Fred. So I just want to talk, finish talking about this one. Um, I, I I don't think it's fair to say it's reparations versus medical for illegal immigrants. I mean, a two billion a year ain't going to cut it for for reparations, but. Um, I understand your point because you could, you know, you could tally up a bunch of things, whatever we're, you know, statewide or, or federally with the reparations, um, you know, could be the war in Ukraine. It could be the aid that we give to, you know, Israel. It could be the aid that we give to, you know, Europe. I mean, there are so many um, things that we spend money on that might not be your priority, but it's, there's you the way you make it sound is like they're not giving cash reparations because they're paying for medical and that's that's not really the truth they wasn't paying for the medical uh, before December 31st or January 1st I mean last week the money was there but they they didn't have this payout today or yesterday so that money could have went to reparations well okay it could have and so could the money we spend on any other thing is my point All okay right. so fred explain to me why you say that undocumented immigrants are um, raising the cost of housing because they have to have some place to live. They come in and, and they're gonna they're gonna bid up the market. They're gonna take anything they can get. They're gonna pull their money together, two or three or five families. You know that's what they're doing, and it it raises the price up for other people in the inner city. They're also building the a lot of housing, though, aren't they? Pardon? They're also building a lot of housing. But not enough to keep up. This has been going on for fifty years. This 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 pressure's been building building up seventy one. This pressure's been building up for for the last. 50 so what's years. your but, what's your solution when it comes uh, to housing? I I don't have one. Okay, me, you just me, got let, out let the market. To that. Wait a minute. Let me to that woman you said that that said that the the illegal immigrants were suing the people back east. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Hold that on, on, hold on. News. Okay, but I didn't read it. I can't read every news story. There's millions of news stories every single day. I can't read all of them. I do my best to read a lot of them. So I'm not going to comment on something I haven't read read on yet. But let me just ask you one final question about the housing, Fred. Did you what did you do when you sold your places? I mean, I assume those are revenue streams for you. How did you keep that income I kept coming the money. in? You just, just you just the took the cash. Did, did what a smart person would do, put the money in CDs. 
You get okay. five and a half percent, mm-hmm. and, it, and it actually is more than the rent. But let, because there's no there's no there's no strings attached, you don't have to worry about painting the place and the people wrecking the place and things like that. But let me make this last point here on this Medicare, Medi-Cal thing for the illegal immigrants. The federal government pays for half for the citizens and people that are legal. So and they don't pay for illegal immigrants. That's illegal. So the state of California is picking up 100% of their tab. Now they may be picking up half. The state of California may be picking up half for uh, citizens and, and legal people, and the gov- and the federal government picks up the other half. But the federal government. I'd have to fact check you on that because I don't know the exact formula, but I do know that it's 2.6 uh, million, billion, excuse me, out of the budget, no matter where that is coming from. I do know that. Um, but, Fred, um, you, you brought up a lot of other things. And I just, I wonder when you sold those places, do you, did you sell them to other mom and pop type or you sold them to big corporate landlords or do you even know? Okay, the, the, I know who I sold them to. The first one, uh, this is, I'm going back to 79. I'm going back to the early 80s. Oh, you sold the them a long day. time ago. Okay, I got well, you. Well, yeah, I sold, I sold out to my partner, and, and he eventually sold out because of the same problem later on. And then, and then uh, when I bought my last house, uh, I put it on the market for rent, and that really got me uh, understanding how the market was working at that particular time. And, no, it wasn't worth it. Mm, okay, I got you. Well, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, I can understand what you're saying as far as your formula. You may have had a strict formula. You could have been a little bit, you know, maybe had some latitude in your formula. I think a lot of folks are also price gouging, not just the big corporate landlords, but also the mom and pops. But I can also understand what you're saying. I mean, it's a hassle. It's, it, it is being a landlord is, you know, uh, from, you know, my understanding of it, it, it it's a big job and not everyone, um, uh, not everyone wants to spend their time doing that. I wish, though, that more um, regular people, mom and pops, um, small investors rather than big uh, corporate um, entities would would purchase and own homes. As to the um, housing shortage, I mean, you know, that's you're right. That's been a long time in the making. I don't think it's fair to just blame that on... Um, undocumented workers we've relied and leaned heavily on undocumented workers not just in the state of california but across this nation uh, for jobs that frankly many folks do not want to do um and 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 nor you know nor do i blame them for that given the wages though and i'm talking about those slaughterhouse jobs uh, the you know we've seen a, a lot of um Interesting reporting on that in the New York Times and the L.A. Times, uh, talking about those uh, jobs, um, harvesting the fruits and vegetables that we rely on that keep the prices low. We could argue that those should be unionized, well-paid jobs that any any person would want. But nonetheless, we have relied heavily on migrant labor, and you can't do that without giving folks a place to live. So to me, the problem is supply. Uh, not demand. 800-920-1580. If you want to weigh in, we are unapologetically progressive. And thank you, Fred. KBLA Talk 1580. More of First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. 
ancestors' favorite radio station, radio station, and your favorite morning show host. Let's get back to Dominique DePrima right now. Right now, right now. So the highest minimum wage in the country, uh, just following up on what I was saying, is uh, West Hollywood, California, nineteen dollars and eight cents per hour. If you work in West Hollywood, maybe run over there and get a job. Second highest is. Uh, Oh wait, yeah, it's Seattle. No, that's wrong. Actually, Seattle's higher than uh, than West Hollywood. Uh, Seattle's nineteen ninety seven, almost twenty bucks an hour. Holly- West Hollywood is nineteen oh eight. Washington D.C. seventeen dollars an hour. But as far as states go, it's the state of Washington at sixteen twenty eight. Let's go to Fahima calling us from Washington D.C., where the minimum wage is seventeen dollars per hour as of January first. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't hear what you said besides Habadi Ghani. <laughs> oh, oh, Feliz Año Nuevo. Got it, got it. Happy yes. New Year and yes. Happy New Year and Happy Kwanzaa to you as well. Yes, um, I wanted to make four quick points. I see we're pushing at the top of the hour, so I'll be quickly. Um, very quickly to Fred, he could have uh, provided housing to veterans. Um, and he wouldn't have had any problem because this, the veter- VA would have subsidized it. I'm not going to suggest him renting to uh, Section 8 because somehow I feel that he might not have been open to that. Um, mm. the, other, the other piece I wanted to say, one of the reasons why it's a good idea to provide house, uh, uh, health care to everyone because you don't want the transmission of communicable diseases. You had in Chicago recently an outbreak of chickenpox at one of the shelters where uh, migrants were housed and it was overcrowded. And the other thing is, is there have been reports of residents suing over migrants uh, being um, in Chicago, but there's no tale of migrants suing. And I've been covering this stuff uh, very closely, um, there have been residents who have been objecting to the presence, and they've uh, filed lawsuits about having migrants coming to different parts of the city. And the last thing, the current migrant crisis with respect to people from Venezuela coming to the U.S., Donald Trump is solely responsible. Very briefly, he attempted to overthrow Venezuela. He had uh, he was trying to install Juan Valdo was an opposition leader from Florida as president. He seized their assets and placed sanctions on them. And I can send you an article where he said he wanted to take their oil after he overthrew their government. So the people from this oil-producing country who actually, under Hugo Chavez, provided uh, heating oil to low-income people in this country, they are coming to here to seek asylum because of economic reasons, and Donald Trump is solely responsible for the Venezuelan migrant crisis. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair analysis. The um, the Trump administration and, and even, um, you know, U.S. administrations prior have been steadily um, destabilizing Venezuela. And, you know, with Venezuela being a huge oil uh, source, um, they became sort of an international football. I think that, you know, the the fact that we have these migrants coming from Venezuela or Ill- illegal immigrants, whatever you want to call them, a lot of them are going to be very conservative. And when you talk about tipping the Latino vote in this country toward the conservative side between the Cubans, 
uh, and the uh, Venezuelans, you have a, a lot of immigrants who are coming here, fleeing, uh, fleeing, you know, progressive or communist socialist governments, then you get into a whole different dynamic. And the number of Venezuelans that are coming to this country is right now is huge. Um, it's, it's, you can notice it here. Um, in California, I think it's probably more noticeable in Florida. Yeah. And I just wanted to, to make one other point. There are, uh, Venezuela is very close to Trinidad and there are many Venezuelans of African descent and indigenous descent. And Hugo Chavez was first indigenous, uh, president to head, uh, Venezuela. And I have a good friend who's Trini, a Trini Vinny African. And there are many uh, Afro-Latinos uh, that are in Venezuela. That, and so we just want to be mindful of that because often in the media, we only see mastizos. We only see Latinos. And there are black people in many of these Latin American countries due to the transatlantic slave trade. And the other thing is people continue to call people illegal, right? Uh, seeking asylum is not illegal. On the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, people have a right to seek asylum. And most people who are undocumented overstay their visas. They don't walk over the border. Mm. Yeah, those are good points. I mean, we, we, um, we do offer the right for people to seek asylum here. So when you walk across the border and turn yourself in to seek asylum, that is not illegal. Um, and although there are plenty of people that come into this country who are not seeking asylum, who are just, you know, crossing over just to cross over for whatever reason, they want to work here, they want to move here. Um, it's a great point that we incorrectly characterize a lot of folks as um, illegal who may just simply be undocumented who may be in the process of seeking asylum. Uh, love to hear from you still. And uh, Fahima, if you want to land, we'll do that on the other side. It's KBLA Talk 1580. The station you turn to when you had it up to here with cultural incompetence. KBLA Talk 1580. Hey, Dad. Broadcasting live from Lower Park, USA. Welcome back to your home for unapologetically progressive radio. KBLA Talk 1580. I just feel like all of these, uh, you know, the, the pressures um, in, in cities like Chicago with all of these southern states sending migrants, whether they're illegal or not illegal, documented or not documented, uh, to urban centers, is sh that in itself should be illegal. To me, it's human trafficking. Um, and they're doing it for political stunting. They're doing it... Um, and it's so ironic to me because we, the blue uh, states, we, the major urban centers that tend to vote blue, are fi financing your little state anyway, or your big state. Because on balance, those blue states are the money makers. And we're carrying you, Texas. We're carrying you. But yet you're sending uh, your, you know, needy, migrants, asylum seekers here, and creating these crises. Now, to your point, Fahima, the only persons I've been able to find, the only lawsuits I've been able to find is Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson filing lawsuits against bus companies who are bringing those migrants in from southern states, um, trying to stop that. 
Um, and then there's uh, lawsuits by residents, including um, one group of residents in an area called Brighton Park who have filed a lawsuit against the city of Chicago to stop a migrant tent site uh, in that neighborhood. Um, and so those are the only ones I've been able to find. I haven't found the one they're talking about of migrants suing the city. I will keep looking. Uh, Fahima, giving you, well, we just have 30 seconds here, but I'll give them to you. Well, yeah, my, um, you're right. You're not going to find it because it's propaganda. Um, I'm just going to end here, um, Dominique, um, because in, in the interest of time. But I'll make my other points the next time I call in. Okay, well, I appreciate you, Fahima. It's always good to hear from you. Uh, really looking forward to starting off the new year um, and um, getting some wisdom from an African perspective on this first broadcast of the year. Chief Ayanda Clark joins me. That's next on KBLA Talk 1580.